Next up on One Decision. China is a powerhouse. But what I didn't know then, and I started finding out and finding out the cost of doing trade with China, it always has a political cost. And it always has strings attached that you normally don't know, know it. And I certainly didn't know it. Welcome back to One Decision. I'm Michelle Kosinski. Today, we have an extraordinary account from someone who held an extraordinary vantage point. Francisco Santos Calderon was vice president of Colombia. He's also been an ambassador, a journalist, has seen quite a lot in his just turned 60 years. And now he bears a warning about China's hungry investment in his country and beyond. But first, let's check in with Britain's former spymaster, Sir Richard Dearlove, who's also seen quite a bit in his career, most of which he will not tell us about. Hi, Richard. Hi, Michelle. So China's growing influence in every potential corner of the world it can get into. I'm sure this has been on your radar for a while. Yeah, I've certainly been deeply concerned about China's use, specifically of Belt and Road, to infiltrate the economy of countries, particularly in areas, you know, which maybe the West is ignoring for reasons of current policy. Your use of the word infiltrate is telling. And, 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 and I think the interview that uh, you've um, made with Santos is absolutely fascinating because it's the most um, extraordinary first-hand account I've read by, mm. from anybody of you know, actually what it's like dealing with the Chinese you know, when they arrive. Yeah. Beware, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. <laughs> beware of Chinese bearing. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible interview and I think really fascinating. I'm glad you think so. And the Chinese have been excellent at building relationships, right? That long game that everybody loves to talk about. Absolutely true. And I, I, I mean, if you look at the rather unique and peculiar history of the way that the Chinese intelligence service has operated. Uh, Cho Enlai, who was, you know, Mao's um, fellow prime minister, his big phrase was, quote, unquote, make friends for China. Allegedly, you know, they were not interested supposedly in recruiting spies, but they were interested in making economic alliances through friendship, which actually were then exploited in a much more um, profound manner than just a friendly relationship. And uh, I think in Santos's account of his relationship with Xi Jinping, which I, I, I was extraordinary to read that, um, it's a classic Chinese technique of cultivation and friendship, which then rapidly turns into something very, very different. When you started to see China spread out and forge these relationships, often involving debt and resources, when did this start catching your attention? Well, I think it's relatively recent. I think we were already aware that China was taking a strong interest in countries with mineral resources and that the deals that they were beginning to do had a lot of strings attached but it's got 
you know, so much more sophisticated, uh, so much more threatening since that period. China's advance in the developing world has been very, very worrying. And what is the worry? Like, what is the danger, would you say? Well, I think that China is creating financial and economic dependence on itself. Uh, I mean, I think a good example of this is Sri Lanka, where the Chinese were instrumental in helping the Sri Lankan government defeat the Tamil insurgency, and that the cost of doing that to the Sri Lankan economy was incredibly high, and of course very worrying for India. Uh, And I think the sort of infiltration of an economy, creation of indebtedness, then political manipulation. Um, I think this degree of subtle involvement and interference in the affairs of other countries by a regime which is totally autocratic and has you know, a tendency to push these countries away from the democratic process. Um, it's a very worrying concern. Okay, thanks, Richard. Let's get right to it with Ambassador and former Colombian Vice President Francisco Santos Calderon, who we find in Miami, where he's teaching at Florida International University, and back to journalism as well. Yes, I'm back in journalism. I'm doing a program on Venezuela every week. You have had a really interesting life, to say the least. Well, yeah, it's it's been uh, interesting Kidnapped by Pablo Escobar. You heard that right. Francisco, back in 1990, when he was a journalist on his way home one evening to his young family, was actually kidnapped by Pablo Escobar's Medellin cartel. His driver was killed, and he was held captive for eight months. It affected him deeply. He and his wife then founded País Libre, or Free Country, the first NGO to fight against kidnapping. They organized huge marches. Later, his life was threatened by the guerrilla group FARC to the extent that he had to leave Colombia for a while. He's a brave guy. I've had a, I've had a handful of um, events in my life that have uh, made me what I am now. Okay, well, tell us about when you first started seeing Chinese influence or Chinese overtures to Colombia, was it when you were vice president? Yes. As a matter of fact, in the year 2005, I went to China as vice president. I, uh, I was received by the vice premier. It was a state visit. And in the end, uh, we, uh, we, did, we signed many agreements, uh, some trade uh, uh, deals. Uh, and I wow. thought it was a very, yeah, I thought it was a very successful visit. Um, but, and, and what did you think of these guys? Like, were they likable? Well, yes, to a certain extent, yes. Uh, very serious, very, very serious, very business oriented. Uh, but I would say the, 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 the biggest part of, uh, of my relationship with, with China came a few years later when Xi Jinping went to Colombia on his first foreign trip as vice premier for two days 
I was with him in meetings with business leaders, with the foreign policy wonks, with universities, with students, with uh, 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 everybody in Colombia. Um, uh, he was very, very charismatic, very charismatic, mm. uh, uh, very charming. Mm, and uh, and he asked me if I could, uh, he only asked me for one thing. He said, you're not going to Expo Shanghai. Can I please ask you to go to Expo Shanghai? Oh, so they were having a big expo and they wanted you to be a part of it. And I said, sure, I'll go. And uh, and we changed the policy and we went to Expo Shanghai. We, we, we built a, a, a pavilion, etc. And he told me, call me and when you are in Shanghai and I'll go fly to Shanghai and, 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 and see you. Uh, when I was in Shanghai, I called him. That was 2010. And, and uh, said and done, he flew and he gave me a dinner for a ve- very few people. We drank Mao Thai, a very special Mao Thai. We celebrated. Uh, uh, and it was a very big personal collection, uh, connection. He said, you know, you have a friend here in, uh, in China. Whenever you need uh, anything in China, I'm here. Uh, and it was... For uh, I would have to say, I uh, I felt well uh, for it. I uh, uh, very charismatic man, really very charismatic man. So he was not yet president. Yes, he was my counterpart, and they were training him. He became president, I think, two years afterwards. Very very likable person, and and uh, and and I felt uh, close to him to be to be fair like did you guys get to know each other on a, a personal level at all like how do they operate do they ever share details of like what's going on in their lives or let's talk about my son or no. like did you feel like he was a friend at it, all well it, it, we didn't talk any personal but he very clearly said you know all the chinese when when you're friends of the chinese is forever and you have us here and we Toasted to the friendship between Colombia and 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 China, uh, and I felt close to him because of the two visits. In the first visit, uh, we were in Cartagena the first night, which is a, a colonial city in the northern part of right. of of uh, of Colombia. And I told him, why, "Why don't we dump our security details and let's go in a in a in a carriage around the old city?" And we did let's that go party. And we did that and we went in the carriage, him, me, the Minister of Commerce and a translator. And, and, and that was it. Uh, uh, and, and he was surprised that, 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 that of, of how beautiful the city was, etc. And, uh, oh, and he nice. was there. So, so there was a connection. I, I have to tell you, yes, there was a connection. I Very felt nice. it. And afterwards, when he was premier and reading many of the things that I've read, he used this charisma to do a lot of personal diplomacy, and, and, and I guess he was very successful. Interesting. And so I happen to notice that you mentioned just a few words that stuck out there when you said, I fell for it. <laughs> that does not bode well as to where this was going. China is a powerhouse. But what I didn't know then, and, 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 and I started finding out and finding out the cost of doing a trade with China, it always has a political cost and it always has uh, uh, strings attached that you normally don't uh, don't know uh, know it. Uh, and I certainly didn't know it between 2002 and 2010. I even didn't know it until 2015 when a big Chinese company said, 
uh, asked me to represent them in Colombia. And I said, uh, sure, I'll represent you, but uh, but uh, forbid. I uh, Only if you bid in a competition. They said, no, we don't like bids. And I said, if you want me to do the work for you to get new contracts with the government, uh, that's not how I do things. That's not how I want things to get done. Uh, wow. If you want to compete, sure. So, uh, so, uh, so we ended up not. I, I ended up not being able to represent them, and 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 out of that, another another topics, uh, uh, things started to change. And soon, very personally, when Francisco's son, a Colombian lawmaker, was invited with a group to simply visit Taiwan, which of course is seen by China as a renegade province, it did not go over well. This was only around three years ago. I would say the biggest issue that, uh, and, and, a, and as a person who, who believes in personal freedoms, who a person who fought for freedoms, as, 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 I, as I did uh, after my kidnapping and everything that has happened in my life, the Chinese government went uh, ballistic and they said, that, no, he can't go and, and started pushing really hard at the government. They said, you know, the son of the ambassador, who's also a congressman of Colombia, and they were successful at uh, at uh, stopping that visit and the visit of all of the congressmen to Taiwan. And I said, "Wow, that's strange. That's not that's not how how a friend uh, uh, works. That's not how a friend uh, it does things." And it shows um, a heavy hand by the Chinese government how they can protect their they want to protect their political interests. And and you know after after they were able to take back uh, uh, Hong Kong practically at no cost. Uh, 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 they're, yeah. they're starting to sense that they can flex their muscles a lot more. So, and they're doing so. What was your reaction to that? I mean, something like a trip, a simple trip of a lawmaker to Taiwan. Wow, how can that be? Is that how uh, how a friend treats a friend? That's when I started really going deep into what does China bring to the table in terms of. Uh, costs, hidden costs of many of their investments. We need to be very careful how we do things with China. When you were dealing with Xi and then he became president, what do you think they wanted from Colombia? No, I think, you know, I think they were selling, uh, they were selling this idea of, of, of the good body, of the good friend, of a, 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 a rising power that would, uh, that would uh, help uh, Colombia, that could help Colombia develop and and, and and we could be great partners. And uh, and so as a vice president, you you say, hey, if those guys are going to help me jump into that the type of jump they did, I, I want them to be friends. I want so. So they were selling this success story, which is a success story. Uh, yeah. They were selling uh, their power, which is uh, real. Um, but uh, but the the back door or the 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 other side of it, which is what I've been able to learn to uh, after reading and studying many of the of the cases of what has happened, and, and certainly they uh, that, that's something that we need to be in aware in Latin America. Nothing is for free, uh, never obviously, but uh, with uh, with the Chinese and, and it certainly comes with a lot of strings attached to political issues. Uh, regarding Taiwan, regarding many uh, human rights, uh, freedoms, and those values that uh, that uh, that China uh, doesn't, uh, uh, to be very sincere, give a damn about. Uh, for them, uh, the individual rights don't exist. For them, freedom doesn't exist. For them, democracy doesn't exist. 
and they pursue that uh, that road and they push their agenda which which goes into multilateral uh, institutions etc and uh, and it's a world that that uh, that I'm not so sure I want to live in it's a world with less freedoms it's a world with a with a, a less a, less rights and 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 and, and I'm worried that, that 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 the world is going in that direction especially now with the dramatic rise of china and the decline of the us which uh, which we can't deny uh, and especially the lack of uh, of of policy to counteract uh, especially in a region uh, the the chinese influence by the us when Francisco started talking to the Chinese back in 2005, the deals were small, things like travel agreements or cultural exchanges between the two countries. But at the same time, China was starting to do much more in other South American nations. So it took time before Francisco's view of things started to sour. They started getting involved in, in Brazil, in Argentina, in the big commodity producing countries in, in Peru, in in Chile. Highways here, bridges there, ports, electrical grids. China cannot get enough of South America's resources in mining, but also pork and soybeans. China owns the biggest copper mines in Peru. Elsewhere, gold, iron ore, vast expanses of farmland, and repeatedly displacing indigenous people, ignoring human rights, as well as polluting glaciers, rivers, and groundwater across the continent. China also buys raw resources for its factories back home, which hurts local manufacturing. Ten years after Francisco started seeing this investment, bigger deals started happening with Colombia, too, after he had left as vice president. They landed uh, a very big, uh, the construction of a very big road. Uh, They've done Sort of well, but the big infrastructure project that they landed is uh, uh, the construction of the of the subway in Bogota, the first line of the subway, uh, which is probably the I would say today is the biggest infrastructure project that with the subway uh, line of Sao Paulo in Latin America. Uh, it's a, a five to seven billion dollar project. Is a, it has to be also operated for 20 years. So, uh, so China landed with, a, I would say, with a, an aircraft carrier in Colombia. Uh, and, and it's a reality that, uh, that we feel now. Um, we're, and we have to be very aware, you know. Uh, I think one of the things they're going to start asking for, for the, especially for the building of, of the subway, is going to be a, a, a allowing more than three thousand workers, technical workers, to come into 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 Colombia. Uh, that's going to be the, the first big battle because uh, there's plenty of Colombian uh, 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 experts that can fulfill that role. That's going to be a very 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 big fight. Um, so so uh, so we're in for uh, for a. Uh, for some interesting times with uh, with China, the first thing that the government and Colombian society needs to understand is uh, what they bring to the table, over the table and under the table, and decide how we deal with them, with those uh, with that understanding perfectly clear, because most of the time we only understand what's on over the table and not the. Uh, 
under the table, and that's a, a big problem. Today, for Brazil and several other South American countries, China has become their biggest trading partner and a mega creditor, lending more than $140 billion in the last 20 years. That's more than the World Bank and Inter-American Development Bank combined. China has also sold its 5G internet across Latin America. The U.S. has been pressuring Brazil not to let it in, but it's now considering it after China gave Brazil COVID vaccines. The Colombian ambassador to the UN praised this, even saying that China had made progress in human rights, which raised a few eyebrows. And how have the Chinese been to work with? This is sort of new. We've been uh, only in the last two and a half years have they started landing deals in Colombia. What I know now is that uh, a lot of the discussion around the subway uh, bidding and it was a bidding process that the World Bank uh, was supervising. This last weekend, I was with a, with a, one of the big uh, lawyers that helped structure uh, uh, financing for contracts uh, uh, as big as, as, as the subway. Everybody knew that, that the contract in, uh, uh, in Colombia regarding the subway wasn't bankable, wasn't fin- it, it was very difficult to finance by by the traditional means because of how it was structured. It's a lesson that we need to learn because uh, if they were able to win this contract uh, in, in, in Colombia, they'll try to use the same formula in other parts of, uh, of Latin America. And what we want to be very sincere is for the Chinese to compete fairly and openly. Uh, I think they understand the importance of Colombia in the region. They certainly understand geopolit- geopolitics a lot better than the U.S., especially when the other side is bringing nothing to the table. So as you start to see um, China taking hold in Latin America, are you starting to feel like, whoa, 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 like, let's slow down here? Like, what was what was what was starting to bother you about what they were doing in other countries? Let me give you some examples. Uh, Today, the Brazilian ambassador in Brazil, and, and, and this was uh, told by, uh, 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 I will respect his privacy, but a very knowledgeable source that has studied this for for years in Brazil said, the Chinese ambassador to Brazil is more important than the governor of Sao Paulo, the governor of Rio. And whenever there's a law that might affect their interests, they're, uh, they're very much willing to use their power and their influence of buying the commodities to get what they want. A geopolitical game that that they play very, very well. Uh, A few days ago, I was speaking with uh, somebody uh, from the the former Equatorian government. And uh, and, um, she told me that uh, the Chinese uh, ships, uh, fishing ships uh, were very near Galapagos. And you know that Galapagos is is a critical, pristine, a environment that is uh, very well protected and they were fishing everything and 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 the Equatorian sent up the, the navy the small navy they have to to lure them away and the Chinese said hey if you lure them away we won't buy more shrimp from you guys oh. they're going to be the biggest economy in the world in the next 10 years so we are going to have to deal with them but we're going to have to understand that uh, that that investment and that uh, uh, that relationship uh, is uneven. It has a lot of political interest behind it. 
and 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 to a certain extent it will withdraw your possibilities it will have an impact in your sovereignty you know it's very easy to say oh american imperialism and they hey uh, uh, we've got a, a different uh, type of imperialism uh, now uh, now now slowly creeping up our our uh, our economies and and i think it's important that we see how we can protect our our own sovereignty to it and and see how we cannot become too dependent on it and when you saw Colombia, after you had left government, start to make these bigger and bigger deals, were you, did you talk to the government and try to warn them and say, what are we doing here? Did you get involved at all? I got more involved. I got a little bit involved. I, I, I even, I think I send uh, uh, to, to many of, uh, to the head of, uh, uh, a document about where Chinese companies have left projects abandoned without completing them, etc. So that they could uh, they could understand also that that it's a different type of, of story. But but believe me, uh, uh, they won it in a bidding process. Was it the perfect bidding process? Probably not. Uh, they need to do it. They're going to have controls in Colombia. You have big institutions. Uh, a, a very powerful institution that will control and will 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 follow the the construction and will follow the usage of uh, of uh, public resources in that uh, in that contract. So so I'm not uh, too worried about about the results, but I think uh, uh, to be very sincere, uh, there's so such little discussion in Latin America about this. Not only Colombia, and one of the reasons I'm I'm teaching here at FIU. Geopolitics in Latin America, the fight for democracy and freedom, uh, is because I think uh, uh, Washington is not listening, and I think that message is very important to to get it down here so that in Latin America the leaders, political and economic, understand those the new rules of the game and understand that if we're going to play by them, it's going to have X, Y, and Z costs. When you started talking about how you might see what's on the table, but you don't see what's under the table, what kinds of examples have you seen around Latin America that really bothered you? Well, one of the things that that really worried me was the 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 satellite, uh, the saddle, the construction of this satellite uh, operation uh, center in Argentina, which flew under the radar in the rest of the region, and 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 it's a uh, and it's big technology, and and we still don't know how transparent there is. The right. the the linkage of the Confucius Institute to the universities uh, in Latin America, the universities are so uh, protective of their independence, and I'm not so sure they they understand what they are signing when they sign the Confucius Institute's uh, 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 charters. Uh, in which they cannot uh, uh, criticize the Chinese government. Uh, is the UN going to be absolutely captured by, uh, by this type of interests and for, of uh, one superpower uh, uh, managing a, a multilateral organization as important as that one uh, with different values than the one we uh, preach? But aren't some of these projects delivering infrastructure that's so badly needed? What's the harm there? Well, it depends. 
if I have an expert in Ecuador, which which to be very sincere, it's a nightmare. They 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 have huge debt. Uh, they have a, a lot of the workers were imported, and 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 a lot of them stayed there. Uh, so 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 not even uh, not even uh, there was a benefit of the of the employment. Uh, there's quality issues too. So so it depends it depends on uh, on 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 the country and and on how it's done. They built the infrastructure that those countries needed. Uh, the problem is that they now have a huge debt that they can pay. So and look at the mess uh, the fiscal mess that Ecuador is in, and it has to do precisely with the. Uh, uh, most of it with the debt that they have with China. Do you think that the current Colombian government is already in too deep with China? No, not too much, but there's a lot of ignorance, to be very sincere. A lot of ignorance in the government, a lot of ignorance in the institutions, a lot of ignorance in Congress, and a dramatic in- ignorance in the public opinion. And I would say from Mexico all the way into Argent- to Argentina, that's exactly the same case. Now, the fact that Colombia started doing the bigger deals with China fairly late in the game, was that partly because of your influence saying that we should hold off on doing more? Or who was, do you think there was pushback against China for a while? No, no. To be very sincere, there was no pushback. I don't think there's any country uh, that has had a pushback against China in Latin America. And to be very sincere, I don't think pushback is is, is the right uh, answer for our countries, uh, especially when the U.S. has left the game totally. There is there is no counterpart. So what's really important, rather than the pushback, is understand who you're dealing with, and and understand that even in some cases sovereignty is is at uh, is at at risk. So the costs, the costs that come. With with that uh, hug, with that investment, with that win-win proposition, with that uh, a project, with that uh, a, a buying of resources, etc., 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 they think differently than us. Uh, they play a different game than us. They will use different tools than we do, uh, and and those tools have can have huge impacts in our economies, in our people's lives, in our independence. What are you most worried about for Colombia? I'm worried about a couple of things. And not only in Colombia, in all of Latin America, and I'm worried that when Taiwan comes into play, and I don't think it's a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. Uh, they're going to use that to uh, to to help us uh, to make many of our countries uh, stand by while democracy in Taiwan is uh, is crushed. Uh, I'm very worried about that. That's the biggest thing I'm worried about. Got it. And when you say that the U.S. is non-existent there, I, that must be so disappointing. I mean, what would you like to see the U.S. do? Well, look, I would like to see many U.S. companies that used to be big bidders in, in construction in Latin America come back to the region. They left the region 25 years ago. I think uh, access to, to American market becomes critical 
because uh, the U.S. Uh, really regarding Latin America, without the exception, with the exception of Colombia, uh, uh, has no policy towards the region. You know, it's it's right now just looking at migration when 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 you have so many other different issues and topics and uh, and uh, and wow, so. Uh, so, uh, so it's it's uh, it's very 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 difficult uh, to balance uh, China's influence when the other side is not there. Do you feel like it's possible that the influence of China financially could affect democracy in some of these countries? <sighs> wow, that's a difficult question. They tend to say that uh, that. Um, that they don't like to stay in other people's uh, or get involved in other people's issues in other countries. But yet they're in Venezuela, and Venezuela is getting involved in many other countries uh, trying to destabilize them. So so how do you say uh, you're there and you are uh, supporting this type of government? So 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 it's a, a very it's 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 a line that they don't like to cross but uh, through a lot of their supports and the support of countries that they give they're crossing it the chinese communist party uh, uh, has uh, authoritarian absolutely authoritarian dna and it worries me because i believe in freedom i believe in uh, in uh, in the private enterprise i believe in uh, in uh, the, the free elections and free electoral process, and 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 those rights are going to come under under siege in the next five, 10, 20 years. And I want my my grandchildren to live in democracies and to live in in in, in liberty and in freedom. So 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 I see that that's what worries me that that, that we will not have that in the region, uh, uh, and nobody will. And the worst thing is nobody will uh, will say anything about it. So. So, uh, yeah, that, that's why I'm involved in this issue uh, so clearly and so aggressively. Before, uh, uh, the idea that uh, economic growth will create a, a, a more democratic and free society in China ha- uh, was still part of the, the naive view of, uh, of, of changing in China. Uh, and we we're part of that, too. And like I used to say to many of the administration officials, Look, guys, we're in a football game. It's halftime, and you're losing thirty to nothing. So, um, so, so, so it worries me. Yes, it worries me a lot. Francisco, thanks so much for sharing this. It's great talking to you. Thank you. Let's bring back to Richard Dearlove to hash all this out. What do you think, Richard? Well, I think my own view is that Xi Jinping and the current leadership have massively overplayed their hand. And, you know, the world has woken up to the reality, you know, of allowing China through the front door, through the back door, and through the side door as well. And that the cost of this can be politically and economically very high indeed. And there are a lot of countries that maybe now have woken up and are regretting the extent to which they said yes. Basically, they said yes, because they were in desperate need and they were offered, you know, cheap credits. I think that this example of Santos gave of building the subway in Bogota and bringing in 3,000, you know, Chinese technicians 
uh, you know, when he said that there are plenty of qualified Colombians who could do the job themselves is a brilliant example. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, I think that except in one or two countries, the, the gloss and the enthusiasm for Belt and Road has dissipated. Uh, and and I mean, for example, if if you well, if you take the British aid budget, which you know had very few th- strings, if any strings attached to it, what people don't understand, it's it's two thirds the size annually of Belt and Road. That's incredible. But no one sta- no one's standing up and saying, well you know, look at what the British are up to with their with their Belt and Road, because, you know, it's just the aid budget, um, which is, as it were, separated from political activity. In my view, it should be more political. I was just going to say that. I mean, wouldn't that have more influence to be just giving people the means to help themselves and to build things themselves, and you're there for them, shouldn't that have more political influence than somebody? Over time, it probably does. I mean, actually, the organisation of aid in the UK has been changed because the, you know, the independent ministry that that, that oversaw aid has been reamalgamated into the Foreign Office, so that you know aid has again been connected up with the creation of foreign policy, mm. which I've advocated. You know, is essential. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting that Xi Jinping has decided not to turn up at COP twenty six personally. Mm. I mean, the world's largest polluter and the head of state is not coming. Why? Personally, I think because his position in China is fragile. So with China in every imaginable corner, in every imaginable sector in Africa, and starting to be South America, you don't think the world is all going to be China one day anytime soon? No, because I think that the world has woken up to the fact that we, you know, we cannot afford to allow the Chinese to have free range. But on the other hand, I do personally take the view that you know the the the, the political graph for China is not going to be an ever upward line and that China is going to face some massive political and economic problems of its own which maybe will influence how the relationship with the West is governed in five to ten years time. Certainly at the moment the world is well suddenly becoming alive the realities of dealing with a very awkward and difficult autocratic partner. So, you know, issues like Taiwan. I mean, the fascinating Santos, tiny example of his son being invited to Taiwan. And, you know, the Chinese throwing their toys out of the pram, Um, (laughs) which they do now on a regular basis, um, you know, if they're offended on any political issue. And in places where Chinese investment is really growing, what do you think the U.S. and Europe should have done? Just been that partner earlier? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we've we've neglected a lot of our traditional partnerships. Um, I mean, I was shocked by what Santos said about the relationships between Latin America and the United States. Uh, seems to me <clears throat> an arrant act of geopolitical neglect, I think one could call it. 
um, the French have remained very, very present in their old colonies in West Africa, and, and good for them because they have tried to be a beneficial economic and political influence. And of course, they're militarily quite heavily involved mm. in contesting um, Islamist terrorism in regions like Mali and, you know, the, the other countries which have been so badly affected. And I mean, the one thing that the EU is really, really bad at and doesn't do is it's useless at geopolitics. Mm. I mean, it has no geopolit geopolitical capability. And, it, you know, its foreign policy initiatives are rather pathetic. Um, that's fair. But it's, it, you know, it has huge economic clout and it's not really been able to exercise that clout for, as it were, the political advantages of Africa, which it might have done. And that, I mean, when I was in Kenya, you know, in, in, in the 60s, we, 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 we were very influential behind the scenes. Because the Chinese were already probing in Africa in the 60s, unbelievably. So interesting. But if you go to Kenya now, I'm shocked that, you know, all the work we did to keep the Chinese out of Kenya in the 60s has gone by the board. That is fascinating. Yeah. And, and you know, the erosion over... And despite the fact that, you know, our aid in many of these countries is bigger. Well, I think aid can be invisible, it can it can do things, but does it sway public opinion if it's not constantly worked on on a human level and with a presence there? It can just be taken for granted, really. Yeah, I think that I think that that's certainly the case. But we now face you know a different problem with you know China's authoritarian market model being pushed down the throats of so many places in the developing world yeah. and we have to contest that how would you define the ultimate risk of chinese influence there because there are some people out there who say that perceived threat has been overblown yeah but these countries will find themselves forced into a position where they're obliged to support you know within the un or within regional groupings you know the chinese view of the world and the chinese interpretation of international events which let's face it at the moment is graphically at odds with our own view of the world does it threaten democracy itself i think in certain cases yes um i, I, I and i think that you know the chinese could easily encourage you know, a, a dependent country to adopt its own system of government, which could, you know, be democratic on its face, but internally not democratic at all. Have you had any interesting interactions with the Chinese over the years that you have a burning need to tell us about? I had one very, very significant Ooh. interaction with the Chinese, which was the uh, Hong Kong agreement. And the winding up of the security institutions which existed in Hong Kong under the British. Oh, my gosh. Which was a super sensitive God. dossier. And um, I, I went to China to negotiate this directly with the Ministry of State Security. It was one hell of an experience. Gosh, what can you say about it? Uh, we got the Chinese to agree. But the Chinese pretty rapidly 
started reneging on bits of the agreement in a manner which was rather disturbing. But we had some really weird experiences. Um, and we were accommodated in this extraordinary guest sort of state house, which was somewhere in the northern part of Beijing, which was a, a, a compound with these absolutely exquisite, beautiful little wooden houses, mm. um, you know, which were built probably in the late 18th, early 19th century. Um, and the whole thing was put at our disposal. But, you know, we, we were obviously surveilled yeah. and uh, every aspect of our lives was sort of under Chinese control. And I, I remember uh, the, the, the first night or the second night we were there, we, 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 and we, we complained very loudly amongst ourselves that, God, the chef was just bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> By the next by the next day the whole kitchen staff had been changed. Oh man. They gave away their spy game. And today, what else piques your interest? I think we need to worry about Chinese control and access to mineral resources. Uh, you know, the new oil will be rare earth metals. So true. Great talking as always, Richard. It's a good discussion, Michelle. And I hope our listeners will enjoy our insights and analysis. I hope so, too. And thank you for joining us. Follow us anywhere you find your podcasts and on social media. I'm Michelle Kosinski. We love hearing your thoughts, too, here at One Decision.